Blog Talk Radio. Wednesday, June 13th, 2012. Today's topic is assessing the competitive landscape for market expansions or consolidations. And if you're listening live, we invite you to be a part of the show and ask questions. It's real easy. Here's how you can do it. You can either email me at brian at benchmarkportal.com, that's spelled out B-R-I-A-N at benchmarkportal.com, or you can also Use the phone. So if you're listening or you're close to a phone, just call into this number, 347-857-3117. And we'll go ahead and repeat that a couple times through the show to remind you. But make sure you press the number 1 on your phone to let me know that you have a question, and that way I can get you in. And I want to remind you that the first person to ask a live question on the show through the phone will receive a $1,500 benchmarking survey from Benchmark Portal. So, I want to remind you also that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at BenchmarkPortal.com any time of the day that's convenient for you. So now, I would like to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Thank you very much, Brian, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Today's topic is assessing the competitive landscape for market expansions or consolidations. In a nutshell, we're really talking about optimizing call center locations and labor analytics. And for this topic, we've brought an expert panel to uh, talk to you. Uh, Jim Trobaugh is uh, one of the founding partners and senior vice president of the CBRE Labor Analytics Group, or LAG. And Jim has spent the last 17 years developing a specialized practice within CBRE that has led to over 800 site and market evaluation assignments, uh, touring more than 650 cities where he has collected more Marriott reward points than any other person on the planet. (laughs) And uh, he he, uh, now uh, helps clients by utilizing his expertise, relationships, and and broad base of knowledge of site selection and client advisory solutions for strategic planning, market assessment, and portfolio optimization. All of these focused at the intersection of labor and real estate, which is really a fascinating area. And Mark Seeley is the Senior Managing Director for CBRE's Labor Analytics Group. Uh, He leads the Labor Analytics Group Consulting Practice. He's uh, practiced corporate location and labor analysis consulting for over a decade, specializing in site selection, workforce strategy development, portfolio optimization, on-site labor assessments, and economic incentive analysis and negotiations. Uh, often, I think uh, that's with the local authorities there. So I, I think it's safe to say that we, we have more experience in call center site selection and labor analytics with us than, than you'll find anywhere else. So so welcome, Jim and Mark. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bruce. Okay. Well, listen, to start, can you provide us with an overview of the labor analytics group and, and the expertise and the things that you do? Yeah, you bet. Um, We're a niche group that, as you were saying, for the last 17 years, uh, we've been helping corporate America 
either find new locations or help them better understand their existing location as it relates to labor. And with labor being almost over 70 to 80% of the cost, uh, it's a critical component, uh, especially for the back office operations. And the better solutions that we can provide to help them better understand those dynamics, uh, the better results we can drive to helping our clients make the very best decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Jim and Mark, we, we collaborated on a white paper several years ago uh, called Improving Call Center Performance Through Optimized Site Selection. It was really a, a groundbreaking study in which we took our database of call center metrics and uh, we're able to tell which call centers are the best based on a very objective uh, you know, basis of what their metrics look like. And we overlaid that on top of your demographic database uh, to figure out where the best call centers were, uh, where they were kind of uh, clustered. And it came up with some really interesting uh, conclusions as a result of that in terms of what kind of demographics seem to correspond to uh, the best outcomes for uh, call center owners. And um, anyway, it was, it was well received. Uh, I was just wondering if you had any sort of follow-up thoughts uh, to, to share with the audience on that study. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was it was a it was an exciting study. We were, you know, the original objective, of course, um, as a site selection consulting firm and and uh, and labor analytics group. You know, we had been focused for years on, you know, uh, analyzing labor markets and, and making recommendations to clients based on you know certain skill set needs or labor requirements, primarily within the the call center industry, and. Um, what we wanted to do, of course, with you is is combine our knowledge of markets and our data, our own database of demographics and labor market intelligence, and combine it with your database of performance metrics. And by doing that, we did. We came um, across some really interesting conclusions that we've, you know, kept uh, in play as we've continued to expand our business and, and think about site locations. Um, you know, maybe just a couple examples that, that came out of that conclusions that came out of that white paper. Um, as as what we determined was as income levels, household income levels rise, uh, the cost per call for, for a center goes up as well. Maybe not too surprisingly, but what was, we also were able to correlate was household income and higher household income levels to higher turnover rates. So, you know, as we now look at markets, you know, household income is a, is a key determinant and a key factor that we look at as we're sourcing markets. We're really ideally looking for markets that have lower income levels um, not just because of the cost component, because it, but because we actually saw a correlation between that and turnover rates and, and overall call, call center performance. Hmm. Yeah, no, there's a lot of interesting uh, things that came out of that. I can remember uh, there was a conclusion that it was good to have a community college, uh, but not necessarily a four-year school in the area, uh, right. sort of uh, semi-rural or uh, suburban, but not urban or totally rural type of thing. It was really... Uh, very interesting in terms of the uh, conclusions that, that that came out of that. So, and now obviously there's been a lot that's happened in your uh, field since then. What are you seeing now in terms of uh, trends and uh, things going on in uh, this area? I think what uh, basically has happened, uh, you know, when you look back with the economy taking the dump that it has, uh, you know, the last two or three years. Really what happened was clients, I think, took the step back and <clears throat> really were retrenching and basically trying to say, 
you know what, guys, we're not going to go out and do anything new, but, you know, I might have one site or I might have 80 of these sites. And I think where we spent a lot of time in the last two or three years, Mark, when you say is really helping clients reoptimize what they currently have and really helping them understand, you know, can they can they better exist in their current locations, but better understanding how sustainable is this workforce long-term to obviously meet the needs uh, of, of their clients long-term. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's been really interesting. You know, as we started this business back in the mid-'90s, we were pretty much solely focused on site selection at the time. And even within site selection, it was it was pretty much all focused on call centers and customer service centers. And the, our business has grown or changed, I should say, evolved quite a bit from that over the last 17 years, um, primarily due to just client demand. So, so as Jim mentioned, you know, we, we um, our, our business just in terms of the type of consulting we've been doing has has uh, changed a little bit as we um, went into this recession. We were doing less site selection projects, less sort of growth or greenfield locations, and um, doing more strategic analysis with our clients, analyzing their call center locations, you know, across the the country, even uh, in other countries and helping them optimize them from a labor perspective. So, you know, we're part of CBRE, which is the um, world's largest commercial real estate company. So a lot of our clients are kind of coming to portfolio strategy and optimization work through a um, sort of real estate-centric view. And what we've been able to do is help them um, rethink how they're looking at their locations and their portfolio, focusing less on the real estate and more on the labor, because obviously on the operations side and the business unit side, it's all about finding the right labor at the right cost points. Um, so uh, as we've kind of gone into this recession, 2009, 2010, our work was really focused on more strategy work, looking across the portfolio and helping them optimize their portfolio based on the skill sets and labor requirements that they had. And But over the last year and a half or so, we're seeing a resurgence of site selection work, which hopefully is a good sign for all of us in the economy in general, because we're starting to see you know, corporate America, uh, as well as the outsourcers, um, doing new transactions, you know, going out and, and needing to find new sites and new greenfield locations. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think uh, you know that trend, what the uh, evolution that you've gone through, uh, is so important for call center managers who are looking to optimize, uh, because uh, you know getting the building is one thing, but really filling it up with the people is so important, and making sure that that's sustainable long term is is extremely important as well. And uh, but what are you finding in terms of optimal locations? Is it or, or is it the kind of thing now where you have to say, okay, is this a brokerage firm, and therefore we really have to have a whole different set of criteria than if it's something in the consumer goods uh, industry or something like that? Uh, give us a little idea of how you approach the the basics. What are the sure. the first things you want to know about the client? Yeah, so you're right, Bruce. I mean, every project, of course, is is very customized to the given client what their business is about, and most importantly, what jobs and functions and skill sets do they need. But um, there's obviously some fundamental criteria uh, with regards to site selection that that is attributable across projects. Um, The the biggest one, of course, is what we're focused on and our team is focused on, which is labor. And within labor, um, you know, finding the right location is about finding the right labor from a, a, a cost perspective as well as a skill perspective. You know, Jim mentioned uh, at the front end, that you know our business is sort of built on this idea or notion that the labor cost of a typical call center 
um, makes up 70 to 80 percent of the overall operating cost for an operation. So when you think about locating a new site or even thinking about an existing site, the way to optimize that is to focus on that biggest piece of the pie. It's to focus on the labor cost component. Um, and, and so that's critical. But it's also about uh, skill sets. It's not just about the cost. You know, labor is also, so if it's, you know, if costs are 70 to 80 percent of the, of the uh, uh, operational cost performance, if, if labor is 70 to 80 percent, you know, you could argue that uh, labor is 100 percent of the productivity and performance of that center. Um, mm -hmm. So what we're finding with clients, and this has also been sort of an evolution in our, in our business, is that, um, you know, clients' needs of, uh, for, for different skill sets is becoming more and more complex. And so focusing on that skill component is every bit, if not more important, than the cost component. So when you think of overall site selection factors, labor costs is critical, labor, labor skill sets and densities um, are critical. Some of the other factors are uh, competition. You know, that's a, uh, an important factor that we look at on any type of project. And by competition, I mean employment competition. So when we're looking at a market and we're talking about you know, locating a call center operation, we're very keen and spend a lot of time researching um, who are the other call centers in that market. How large are they? What types mm -hmm. of calls are they taking? What type of work? You know, is it inbound? Is it outbound? Is it reservations? Is it sales? Is it is it uh, more of a consultative sort of advisory customer service role? Is it more transactional? Understanding who the competitors are, how large they are, and what type they are is critical. We also spend a lot of time. Um, gathering information on their on their labor costs, so literally picking up the phone and applying for jobs at, at the local competitors in a market to find out what the wage rates are. Bruce, you know the other thing that we're seeing too that uh, you know to tie into what Mark is also saying, which I think is critical, is that because of there's so many vacant call centers out there today, what we've been yep. doing is taking our ability from the labor side, which obviously as Mark just articulated so well, is so critical to the success, and we're we're matching our clients up with the right locations, with maybe the right centers that have gone dark out there, and all centers have gone dark for a reason. Doesn't mean they're right or wrong. But at the same time, there's a lot of opportunity out there where we can take a client and match their specific skill sets and wages to a marketplace where there might be a vacant center and create jobs and opportunities. Mm -hmm. No, that, that's great. And exactly, the when you have the kind of in-depth uh, understanding and analysis that you guys can do, you can, you can see that perhaps this empty center went empty for reason X, but that doesn't mean that for company Y, it could, in fact, be the perfect location. Exactly. And, you know, uh, what works for yeah. one might not work for another, but you know what? There's all sorts of opportunities out there, and it's just helping to our clients understand, hey, does this new, does this new possible center, you know, can the labor force match up with what you need to have done to accomplish the goals and objectives of your own firm? Right, right. I remember one of the other things. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to add, Bruce, I mean, one of the critical um, sort of factors that we look at, um, particularly on, on call center site selection projects and customer service site selection projects, is um, finding markets where our client can be what we'll refer to as a, you know, an employer of choice, you know, achieve that mm -hmm. status. Because what we found is if we can go into a market, if a client can go into a market, particularly if they have a brand name or a, or a recognizable name, um, they can go into a market that has less competition that has uh, you know lower wage rates, they can go in and at very reasonable cost levels be a preferred employer or employer of choice, and through that status be able to um, attract the cream of the crop, the best 
applicants in the market. They become sort of a beacon as an employer in that market. And we've worked with a lot of clients that have been able to, to go into markets and achieve that status, and we see when that's done, we see lower turnover rates and much lower turnover. I'm sorry, lower turnover and, and much lower costs as well. Mm. Now, very important things uh, that you're talking about, and I think about turnover. I've had a number of conversations with uh, clients recently on this, and, uh, you know, the costs of turnover uh, have gotten so high uh, for so many companies. I mean, we did a study a number of years ago that showed that the averages were six to $10,000 for uh, the cost of turnover. So selecting the right place and trying to minimize that turnover, at least in, in terms of the location, are really important things to do. And I, I remember uh, from our study, too, again, going back a number of years, this was before the, the Great Recession, but, you know, Phoenix, Charlotte, Tampa Bay, some of these areas were, were just over uh, overworked in terms of the yeah. number of centers yeah. there. So you really didn't want to be there, not because they weren't great places to live or whatever, but just because you get to a certain percentage of the workforce, which is working in call centers, uh, 5%, whatever that magic number is, and uh, you're competing for the same uh, the, the same folks, and, and therefore it causes dysfunctions in terms of turnover and pressures on wage rates. So uh, going in with your eyes open and having all that analytics done ahead of time, I can see, would be extremely important. Um, what are the uh, geographic trends that you're seeing now? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously we've seen a lot of changes over the years, and, you know, it's interesting when you mentioned Phoenix and Charlotte and some of those markets, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, those are markets, particularly for your more basic level, straightforward sort of customer service operations, have always been um, more saturated, you know, more competitive, and therefore more difficult markets to um, keep turnover rates and, and wage rates under uh, um, under control. Um, but, what we have also seen in our clientele is the complexity of call center operations has increased dramatically over the last, I don't know, six or seven years. So, you know, in fact, I was, we were talking to one of our outsourcing, large outsourcing clients uh, uh, the other day, and he mentioned that, you know, from his perspective, being part of one of the, the um, sort of preeminent outsourcing companies, from his perspective, most of the most basic level customer service jobs have been, already been outsourced or offshored. And that really rings true with the business that we've seen at least domestically, and we do do global, um, we do global work as well, and I can talk about that in a minute. But domestically, we're seeing the complexity of uh, the job requirements of our clients increasing. So what we're seeing essentially is corporate America rethinking uh, the types of jobs that they have in maybe their high-cost locations and the low-hanging fruit of, of customer service has sort of always been dealt with. Now they're looking at higher-level call center functions, more sophisticated, like advanced sales functions, uh, technical mm -hmm. support functions, and looking IT to support. IT support, trying to find uh, markets that can service those. And, and that's when markets like a Phoenix, a Charlotte, a Kansas City, those markets can actually start to do uh, you know, perform quite well for these companies. Because, or, Mark, mm -hmm. I think you've always yeah. shared, too, is that, you know, depending upon the company, if they have such a diverse uh, requirement, you yeah. can't afford to go into an Ada, Oklahoma. You right. need to be in a bigger, larger uh, area where you can attract a broader skill set uh, that's necessary to service your clients. That's mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're seeing, yeah. you know, operations that are maybe um, – 
not just single function customer service centers now, but may have a customer service function, a financial processing uh, operation, a sales function, and they they want it in one mar in, in one building in one market. And and so some of these um, uh, markets that uh, had previously been sort of oversaturated for your typical customer service start to make sense because they do offer a broader bandwidth of skills and they offer more scalability for the future. Right. Uh, interesting. Interesting point. Well, we're going to go to some questions that Brian has here. But first, uh, just in, in terms of the um, onshore offshoring, what, yeah. what is it that you see there? Are people, and I know that you've gotten very multinational over the mm -hmm. last few years, uh, is uh, more going offshore? Is it coming onshore? What's What's going on there? Yeah, so it's a great question, and there's a lot of debate. You see articles kind of um, telling both sides of the story, but I can tell you what we're seeing in our business. I mean, um, in the early part of the of the 2000s, that decade, um, obviously there was a ton of activity going offshore. At first, it was India, then the Philippines, and then you know Eastern Europe, and and then some very sort of emerging markets now in 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 the Far East and Africa, et cetera. And and then, and so from sort call it you know 2000 to 2006, 2007. There was a lot of activity going offshore. Then the economy uh, did what it did, and we really have seen a change. Um, I'm not suggesting that um, companies aren't continuing to offshore and to outsource off seas because that's clearly still happening. Um, but I think companies now are are stopping, and whereas before it was like you know they would they would be considered idiots if they weren't you know if they didn't have an offshoring solution. Now it's not such a knee-jerk reaction. They're holding back and they're saying, well, for this uh, function, and particularly as it dovetails with that you know, rise in complexity of, of jobs that I was talking about, for these more complex functions, do we need to do it in the Philippines? Do we need to do it in India? Do we need to do it in one of these offshore markets? Or are there some opportunities in the U.S. as because you know the economy um, isn't what it used to be, because unemployment rates are higher, and because those offshoring markets, the, the wage rates and the competition have increased so dramatically over the last few years that some of that cost benefit has really been eroded. So we are seeing some U.S. repatriation. We're definitely seeing clients um, rethinking markets in the U.S. and are starting to, uh, to expand domestically again. I think it's a double-edged sword, too. I mean, you know, it, because the economy and it hasn't gotten that great, I mean, it's, it's slowly bumping along. You know, you got... The outsourcing world, you know, it's still going to continue to be out there always just because, you know, at the end of the day, corporate America is looking for ways to create efficiencies and cut costs. And they, they think they can do that. It's still going to happen. But I think, as Mark articulated, I think it's critical that, you know, these companies are taking a step back and re-looking at, okay, what skill sets are we talking about? What are we trying to accomplish here? And this isn't low-hanging fruit. We need to make sure that we're providing the solutions we need to the clients we need to serve. So, I mean, it's it's kind of it, it's it's back and forth. more, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because uh, the same uh, things that you're talking about, they're talking about on the manufacturing side as well. In other words, the rising costs in some of these overseas markets, including China, India, et cetera, yeah. uh, as well as uh, logistics uh, and, in some cases, maybe just cultural understanding, that sort of thing, are bringing some uh, of that business back home for uh, for uh, manufacturing. The same things uh, seem to be driving uh, at least consideration of yeah. maintaining or bringing back things from overseas uh, on the service side. 
Absolutely. Right. And, and, and there's some different alternatives now than there were, um, you know, 10 years ago, most specifically, you know, work at home and, and home agent programs. I mean, we've, we've seen a mm-hmm. strong growth in that, and, and, um, and, and that is an alternative to offshoring. Um, I'm not going to suggest that it has the same cost benefit, but client, or companies are really seeing an opportunity to tap into a new workforce and, and maybe a better educated and higher performing workforce by offering some uh, virtual or work at home uh, options for them. And then right. at, the end of the, no, no. at the end of the day, that's really the solution. It's not a cost play because you're not going to really save money, I don't think. I think you're just what you're going to find is a more educated, more well-rounded employee that can provide a higher level of customer service to your clients. Mm-hmm. Yep, and we have seen situations in which the uh, at-home agent can be paid on a per-minute basis, and yeah. it becomes very competitive, in fact, with uh, with offshoring. So, uh, very interesting. Well, Brian, I know that you've got a number of questions there. Uh, can we uh, ask you to, to 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 bring some of them forward? You bet, you bet. I've got a couple right now that came in from my email, and the first one uh, I wanted to bring up. It's a little bit of a kind of a broad scope scope type question that comes from Vanessa. And uh, she asked, what about large markets versus small? And I'm assuming that means kind of the advantages versus disadvantages. And uh, I know that you guys already mentioned skill sets as being one of them, but would you guys mind elaborating on the uh, market size and what's good or not so good about them? Mark, that's your world. Yeah, you bet. So, um, you know, when we think of markets, and um, we think of tiers. So we've got, you know, generally speaking, three different tiers. Your tier one markets are you know, your largest markets. They're going to be you know, New York, Chicago, Atlanta, L.A. Um, then you have your second tier markets, which are going to be more the, the sort of um, Charlottes, the Kansas cities, um, Tucsons. And then you have your tier three markets, which are going to be your, your smallest, most rural markets, um, you know, Missoula, Montana, Nacogdoches, Texas. Um, and, and each of these different tiers brings different opportunities depending on the client. You know, it's gone are the days where you know, only the Tier 3 markets make sense for call centers and only Tier 1 makes sense for, for you know, headquarter operations. Again, it's, it's about being more strategic, understanding the operations, the jobs, the functions um, that you're requiring, the size, you know, the number of people you need to hire. And then based on that, uh, certain market tier levels will start to make sense. So, we're seeing a lot more diversity in terms of the types of, of locations and size of markets that can make sense for a given set of of, of, uh, of operations. I would say, generally speaking, you know, to, to put some boxes around these things, you know, your tier two markets again are going to be uh, best positioned for your most basic skilled operations. These are the markets that are give you that employee employer of choice opportunity at a you know ten dollar an hour or nine dollar an hour wage range. Uh, for uh, for basic skill customer service type of work. These are really ideal for that. They're less competitive. They've got lower income levels, and there's just less job opportunity, yet still um, you know, good quality people in those markets that can um, tend to be more loyal and, and really high performing for the right type of, of uh, company that's able to to um, to work with the employment base, train well, and, and, and provide the right sort of support for them. Um, your tier two markets are sort of a happy medium. This is where um, these markets are better fit for um, uh, operations that maybe have, will have multiple functions, uh, maybe some call center, but maybe some financial processing and and, um, and maybe a, a you know an IT component to it or a sales component to it. These are markets that obviously can fit 
um, a larger headcount, you know, call it 500 to 1,000 people in, a, in an operation. Um, these are markets that are, are going to be still more cost-effective than the Tier 1 markets um, and, but, and, and less competitive than those markets, but offer a broader bandwidth of skill sets than the Tier 3 markets. And then, of course, your Tier 1 markets, your largest markets, um, are really reserved for um, operations that have you know, very highly specialized skill sets. In, in the call center arena, that's going to be you know, your, your Tier 3 tech support jobs. It's going to be uh, your advanced sales uh, uh, solution selling uh, operations where there's, maybe it's B2B and they're selling to um, you know, a, a, an executive level sales uh, audience. Um, but these are the markets where you're going to get the broadest bandwidth of skills. You're going to get the most scalability in terms of your operation. Um, but you're going to also, of course, pay the, the highest dollar in terms of overall cost. You know, with what Mark just said, I mean, what it still sometimes comes down to, I mean, I, you take all that away. But it, it, it comes down sometimes to the philosophy of the person that's running the overall operation and where he or she has come from. And if he or she's used to being in bigger labor markets, you know what, you might not be able to share or convince them or to really present why you should go to these some of these other markets where you can become an employer of choice. So, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, sometimes I think it, it comes down to who's running the show at the top and uh, his or her philosophies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I was up in Canada in uh, one of the major cities and in a call center there, and it wasn't as though it was uh, Series 7 brokers or, you know, very highly skilled people there. But um, when I asked about, you know, moving to the suburbs or beyond, it was like, nope, we're not going to do that. Yeah. So, right. uh, yeah, and there there can be good reasons uh, for that choice, too. But at least uh, through the kind of thing you guys do, you, you present management with the full picture so that they make an informed decision. Good. Well, uh, Brian, do you have uh, another question there? Yeah, I sure do. Uh, and if you don't mind, Jim, Mark, I want to uh, ask that you guys take a little bit more of an advisory kind of perspective on the, these two questions as they're pretty specific. Uh, this one comes from Erica, and Erica asks, we have to expand operations, but for political reasons, we have to look only at sites within our state. So how can we approach this, or should we approach this? Mark, <laughs> go ahead. That's uh, yeah, <laughs> your alley again. We get that a lot. You know, again, there's there's various reasons why clients have to be in a certain geographic area. Maybe it's uh, um, the footprint that the company operates in. Um, there could be a lot of different reasons. Um, we do that regularly. We um, we work with uh, uh, have a history of working with a lot of the, ho the hotel chains, and they typically want their reservation centers um, sort of regional so that they can benefit from. Um, having the customer service of the reservation agent have some familiarity with the hotels. And so, you know, as an example, we do a lot of studies for them that may be a 150-mile radius of a given city or market, you know, Boston or Chicago, et cetera. There's still opportunities if you have to focus within a given state. Um, I, no matter what state it is, um, there will be good opportunities from a cost and, and competition standpoint. It, of course, is going to come down to, again, the, the skills and the wage rates you're looking to pay. Um, but the way we do it is, is we do a lot of modeling up front where we would essentially load in every market uh, within that state, uh, every city that exists, and start doing some benchmarking on some high-level demographic data like median household income rates, like education level, unemployment. Like population, unemployment, labor force size, growth rates, et cetera, 
And that's going to, by doing some of that benchmarking, you can quickly get to a uh, sort of a medium list or even a short list of markets that you want to focus on that you know at least statistically show up very well. And after that, it's a matter of just rolling up your sleeves and doing a lot of due diligence. Um, you know, actually, um, um, you know, picking up the phone and assessing the competition in the market, talking to the local economic developers to understand, you know, what the current economy is like. Has anyone opened up recently that may create some competition? Has there been any layoffs that may create an opportunity? Um, and you just start getting some some sort of on-the-street market intelligence. And through that process, uh, you can get down to uh, typically a pretty optimal uh, list of markets to go out and tour. Mm-hmm. I think also the critical thing, though, too, just uh, with with what Mark also said, is you've got to be cognizant that wherever you go, even within the state, it's still back to those two fundamental ideas. One, wages and skill sets, you know, and we're always looking for where do you get more of a bang for your buck. So, in other words, where can you go in at a certain wage that's maybe less than a bigger metropolitan area if you're looking for a basic skill set where at the end of the day, you know, that that wage will mean more there than it would be in another community. So, again, you still have to be very cognizant of both that wage and that skill set and that ability to be able to find the bodies you need to service your clients. Yeah, you know, uh, one other thing that occurs to me, and that is that obviously there are a lot of development agencies around the country who are trying to attract uh, call centers. It's really great to, uh, uh, you know, sop up some unemployment, to uh, bring in a a clean, uh, you know, uh, employer where you don't have to worry about uh, the whole environmental side. Uh, Very attractive for a lot of these uh, communities to do, and they'll oftentimes put on a very, very good show for folks who are interested in, uh, you know, finding a site for a call center. But you have to look beyond the immediate incentives to these other things that you you guys are talking about in order to make sure that your long-term sustainability and viability is something that's uh, that's really going to work for you. Yeah, that's the critical piece. And, and, you know, was it Erica that asked the question? Um, Back to her situation within the state, that is going to – um, create a little bit of inability to, to create a lot of negotiating. Um, typically, uh, the lion's share of the incentives are at the state level, so if you're going to stay within the state, they're not going to um, get too aggressive with you on an incentive perspective. But there are county and municipal incentives. Some can be quite lucrative. It just depends. Um, but just one more thing to think about as you're as you're thinking about. Uh, but Bruce, I will remind a, a I will remind your viewers that you know, hey, as we tell our clients all day long, that you know, incentives are icing on top of the cake. It shouldn't drive the bus. I mean, you know, every community offers something. It's just, but the most critical thing that you you just can't overlook is you need to make sure that you can find the bodies you need at the skill sets and wages that are so critical to be able to do what needs to be done to take care of your clients. So you can have someone give you a free building and give you a bunch of cash, but if you can't fill the building (laughs) with the bodies you need, who cares? Right, right. No, well put, well put. Okay, Brian, I think we've got time for one more. Yeah, I've got one more that uh, is pretty good, and this comes from Bob. And uh, he says, we're thinking of moving our call center from uh, the headquarters to less expensive quarters uh, with somewhat less expensive labor as well. So it sounds like it's going to be 20 miles away, but I'm afraid we'll feel disconnected from the home office. Do you guys have any advice for us? Yeah, it, you know, that's always one of the challenges with companies, particularly if it's a smaller company that, um, you know, has always kind of grown up in, in one market and, and sort of maybe one or, or, or a few facilities very close to each other. It's a, 
it can be a tough jump to to then um, sort of foresee moving outside of that initial market. Um, but it's the only way to grow. I think that um, you know there are ways to to um, make sure you're encouraging communication and, and the culture. I mean, the culture exchange is is one of the big things. Um, I think one of the critical aspects is to ensure to the degree you can uh, that you have some senior leadership that is also going to relocate to that uh, to that location um, so that you can uh, so that you have some leadership that's familiar with the company culture and uh, can impress that upon um, what I would assume is going to be a new workforce for you outside of that uh, outside of that headquarter location I think that's a great input and we, we see the the same things and uh, one of our tough love messages to senior managers is always go to your call center, get to know the people there, stay in touch. And uh, the tough love message to the call center manager is issue the invitation. <laughs> Make sure that people come and visit you. It's ideal, obviously, if some of the senior management comes with you, uh, Bob, out to your new location. But if that doesn't happen, then just make sure that there is a continual stream of of people coming through to visit you, to talk to you, so that they understand what you're doing. And the other thing is that in some cases, uh, call centers are entry points for uh, employees, and then they go to other parts of the organization. If that happens in your situation, don't resist it. Uh, having your alumni sort of uh, sprinkle through the organization can be a positive thing. So anyway, great question. And uh, I'd like to, to thank our guests uh, here uh, for their insights, uh, Jim Trobaugh and Mark Seeley. Really, uh, this has been a pleasure. A lot. Yeah, it's of been our pleasure. Media data. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so okay. very much for the courtesy, and uh, I hope it was insightful. Absolutely, it was. Okay. Thank you very much, and I'll I'll turn it over to Brian at this point. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, Jim, Mark, and Bruce, appreciate all the, the great discussion on the show today. And I uh, do want to make sure that you join us next time on July 19th when we'll talk about the meaning of life in the call center or rethinking agent satisfaction with industry expert Dr. Teresa Amaville. Don't forget to sign up for a free reality check benchmark report to see how your center compares to others in the industry. And, of course, from all of us here at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Brian Carrington signing out. Have a great day. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.